Welcome to this week's Fit for Purpose podcast. This week we're talking to Liz Mossop. She's a vet by training, but crucially now Deputy Vice Chancellor for Student Development and Engagement at the University of Lincoln. And people who've listened to this podcast may well have heard about the work that the University of Lincoln has done in Whole Beach, but I think it's fair to say, Liz, on this podcast, what I really wanted to talk about with you, because you are the perfect person to talk about with this, is the rest of the work that a university like the University of Lincoln does with students on outreach, on helping them thrive at the university and then connecting them up with opportunities. So, I mean, maybe as a start, first of all, thanks for coming on on the podcast, but it's probably worth you just explaining what your role as VC for student development and engagement actually involves you doing and obviously as we speak you're towards the beginning of term so I'm, I'm guessing it's a pretty busy time especially at the moment. Absolutely yes hi Justine and, and thanks very much for inviting me on today it's lovely to be here and to talk about um, what we do at Lincoln which is just such an important part of our university uh, when it comes to the social mobility and the levelling up agenda. So it's lovely to be able to chat about it. Yes, it's a busy time of year for us. Um, our students have just arrived back on campus. Um, of course, we've had a very odd uh, 18 months, two years with, with, with the pandemic. And I have to say, it's just lovely to, to feel that campus buzz again um, as they have all arrived back. Um, it, it's, it, it's a strange feeling because we haven't had it properly for so long. Obviously, we have had students on our campus throughout the pandemic but actually you know we've really genuinely missed them and the number of colleagues that have come up to me in the last few days and said oh it's so nice to feel like they're back it's, it's just a wonderful feeling so so that's great um it brings the usual challenges and and busyness but um it, it's a lovely place to be in so my job yes it's a it's a it's a very broad role uh, but effectively i i look after the student experience on our campus and 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 obviously our other campuses as well um but we, um, we at Lincoln have a really um, strong approach with our students around student engagement. So that's a very large part of my job. So what that means is making sure that students have the opportunities above and beyond their curriculum to actually develop skills that, you know, workplaces, employers of the future will find really helpful and also for students to develop their own personal and professional identities through engaging um, with other activities. So we have a, a real emphasis on that at Lincoln. Um, and that, that does relate back very much to the sorts of students who, who come to Lincoln and students who maybe haven't had those sorts of opportunities to get involved with, you know, different networks, different people they haven't come across before um, and really encouraging them to, to go beyond and stretch themselves and, and achieve what they thought was was never possible so that's a really important part of my job um, that's the exciting bits of my job so some other bits of my job are not quite so exciting so things like you know organizing all our quality standards I mean my director would say they're very exciting but um, you know making sure that what we deliver is appropriate for our students um, I also oversee our access and participation plan which I'm sure uh, many people listening will be aware is the uh, office for students requirement for us as universities to um, really tell them sort of over a five-year plan what we're doing around both access so opening up access to our programs to, to students of a variety of different backgrounds and certainly underrepresented groups are a really important part of that but also ensuring that when they come and join us at university they're able to thrive uh, and actually really achieve what, what, what they need to achieve so um, lo lots of different um, activities around that as well and um, lots of organizing of different 
different groups and you know lots of very enthusiastic people but making sure we've got a joined up approach to to access and participation so that's it in a nutshell um there's probably lots more than that there is lots more than that but i won't go into that at the moment well we'll, we'll probably get into that um as we as we go through the podcast but i mean obviously as you said students are back for the first time i've visited a number of universities over the last few weeks and and it's really you know genuinely there's there's palpable excitement I, I think people are just so pleased to be able to to get back on almost with that face-to-face learning that's there but tell us a little bit about how you've how you've done that role of student engagement during COVID but also what it now means that time online and away from university and, and students now coming back how do you make sure that they can now absolutely get back on with their face-to-face learning and and manage that disruption in a sense to to the learning experience. Mm. Yes I mean it's obviously been been very challenging for universities and you know particularly for for our students Uh, we were you know like everybody else we had to do a very quick transition to 100% online um, back in back in March uh, last year and um, obviously as the pandemic has progressed we have been we've had to react accordingly um, sometimes under government instructions and sometimes you know because of other other reasons so I think it's important to remember that students have been impacted in very different ways and often that is dependent on on their background and the sort of family support they've got around them um, it was quite challenging for us at various points during the pandemic because our, you know, a lot of our students did stay on campus, which, you know, we were absolutely happy to keep them on campus with us. And, and sometimes that was because they were effectively estranged and, you know, didn't, didn't have a, a family to go back to. Uh, so it was really important for us to develop ways of supporting them so that we could support them both on campus, the ones that did stay with us, and obviously the students that went back home um, to study from home, we had to work out ways of making sure they were supported too. So obviously that's you know, academic support, really important, and we very quickly um, upskilled everybody so that we could still develop or d- deliver all the academic content we needed to deliver and some amazingly innovative approaches to you know delivering chemistry laboratories online and um, you know some fantastic zoom calls with all our dance students doing um, routines together and you know lots of really imaginative amazing innovations that are that my colleagues um, develop for students but importantly of course at university students are also supported uh, very heavily pastorally so you know, it was important that we maintained that um, and and of course students did suffer challenges um, and, and difficult situations because of the pandemic so you know we had to react to that and make sure that you know they did feel supported even if they decided to go home um, and that we could still reach out and offer offer whatever support they needed so it's been challenging um, and and I think what we're what we're trying to do now as our students return to us is obviously have those really important conversations with them about kind of you know how's it been for them what have been the issues for them individually uh, and you know where, where are they up to and you know what do we need to maybe do to ensure that they they do catch up if they you know if they feel they're a little bit behind for whatever reason or that you know they haven't perhaps had um or they've had particular difficulties with, that means we need to support them in, in different ways so lots of different things going on um it is fabulous to have them all back and you know i just hope that we we do a good job and i'm sure we will do a good job in in making sure that they feel you know back with us and back in our community and 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 that they can you know succeed um with with the great potential they bring with them and i guess is it fair to say that some of that work that everybody at the university did to enable 
studying and learning to continue actually some of that keeps going and so there were things that I think every university had to almost up its game on but in the end having gone through the pain threshold um when you know when people had to sort of uh stay at home actually now you've got the benefit of some of that stuff longer term presumably you know definitely yes definitely um We're quite lucky at Lincoln because we had a brilliant digital education team. We still have a brilliant digital education team who've, of course, been very, very busy over the last um, couple of years. And so we already had a good a good level of um, ability uh, within our within our academic colleagues, um, you know, to deliver uh, in digital teaching and learning, but nothing like what we actually ended up doing, of course. So we supported people through that um, and we certainly learned things that we didn't realise we were going to learn and developed approaches and techniques that, you know, we, we will be taking forwards. And, and it's been an interesting conversation with colleagues over the last few months, most recently, about, you know, what, what are the, the COVID dividends, as one of my colleagues always say, you know, what are the things from this teaching and learning environment that actually we're going to retain. And of course, things like, you know, students being able to re-watch recorded sessions and, mm-hmm. and actually the flexibility that recorded sessions offer students. Uh, that, that, you know, they're all really important things that, you know, if they are juggling part-time study or family or jobs or whatever it is that's challenging them that that allows that flexibility um and so absolutely there are some things we will be retaining interestingly um i was chatting to one of my colleagues who runs our student well-being service as well and 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 they are keeping some of their approaches so they found that a lot of students actually um uh, really really engaged almost it, it found it easier to engage with online counseling um rather than having to turn up to an appointment uh, they also developed walk and talk appointments which have been really, really popular, obviously, when we weren't allowed to sit inside. So you know, things like this will absolutely carry on with because, you know, they, they bring benefits. Um, and, and the final thing I'd say is, is that student digital skills, of course, really, really important. Um, you know, part of your university learning is developing uh, digital skills. And so whilst we've always, you know, embedded those within our curricula, that's made us think about it even more and really ensure that students come out with sort of the, the, the skills that they're going to need if they come into employment with a, you know, a flexible mix of work from home and, and work in an office um, and actually can continue that um, from the skills that they've learned at university. So, yeah, lots of lots of things that we'll definitely be keeping keeping going with. And it's been a real period of, of innovation, um, that's for sure. There's, it's, it's clear to me that, you know, there's a whole host of these learnings that are, are out there that lots of different higher education institutions are tapping into. And I think, I mean, I guess for Lincolnshire especially, this, this online and remote piece of it is doubly relevant, partly because it is a rural region that you're you're serving in in many respects not exclusively tell us a little bit about what that means the kinds of students the university ends up getting but also how challenging it is almost to reach them when they are just far flung and and you know not all in the same town as it were for you to to talk to Yes, it's it's certainly a challenge. I mean, I think sometimes people don't realise what a big county Lincolnshire is, and also, you know, what what different sort of terrain we have, if you like. So, yes, even our even our Hobbeach campus is a bit is a bit of a nightmare to get to. The roads are not great. The infrastructure is not great, um, and and it is it is really difficult. Um, 
Yes, I, I think I think we've we've learned a lot um, about how we how we reach those hard to reach individuals. So one example I'd give you um, is is around outreach activities. So obviously we do a lot of um, outreach activities, particularly targeting parents of, 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 of students who may be considering coming to university, but perhaps, you know, parents didn't go to university themselves. So talking to them about, you know, what a university education is and how it's funded and, you know, what it would mean for their for their for their child child etc um, and actually we've discovered that running those sessions online it is definitely advantage of course an advantage because you know we can reach more people of course you do then have some challenges with the digital infrastructure so you know rural broadband is not known for its um, reliability um, and its consistency of service all the time so that does create challenges but actually um, we have found that in in general we've had very good uptake of, of those sorts of events because again they're a bit more flexible you know you can do it from home you don't have to get out there and, and travel somewhere in order to go and learn about you know going to a university so yeah we've certainly learned a lot from it um and again you know there will be things that we will um retain going forwards because we know they they are working um and people are i think people are more um receptive to online uh, events now in in that context so yeah lots lots to think about and presumably it also makes it you know you talked earlier about people who've got you know Obviously, often people think about a university student as that archetypal 18 year old, they've done their A-levels and then they go off to university. But actually, you know, increasingly students are often people who are juggling careers, families. And so I guess, you know, that's another aspect of the hybrid learning that for many of those people actually makes it that little bit easier to be able to think about going to higher education, I presume. Yes, and I think the other model I'd throw in there is obviously the degree apprenticeship model where, you know, we're delivering um, some off the job training for people who are also training on the job. And of course, the off the job training, you know, if we can deliver that online, that's far more convenient than having to travel to a university campus. And we that's something we were doing already, but obviously we've done a lot more of it in, in the most recent period. So, yes, I mean, I think that's one of the challenges we had during the pandemic is that sometimes there is this sort of stereotypical students in in. in in people's heads and you know they read about students and that's what they assume all students are like and actually you know students are such a diverse group um, and of course you know we have mature students as you say we have students with families we have students who are you know having to support themselves financially as well as study and so the challenges that that brings means that you know that they're 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 sort of trying to juggle multiple priorities and the learning has to fit around that so absolutely digital learning does offer a lot, lot of opportunities there and, and I think also in the postgraduate context I think that's important that you know we offer um, a lot of uh, you know more flexible provision so that people who want to upskill and develop their careers can actually fit that in around their many other commitments. What's interesting is you know we're 10-15 minutes into the podcast and we've already talked about so many different so many different elements of of leveling up and and it's been fantastic having the universities of Lincoln as part of the leveling up goals work because I think perhaps as, as much as anyone your university really demonstrates this much broader role that a higher education institution can play in their in their region obviously we've looked a lot at the whole beach work which is probably just worth briefly explaining to people who are listening um, but Liz tell us tell us from your perspective how it's been taking that more systemic look through the, the levelling up goals work that we've all been involved in. 
Yes, I think it's something that it, it took me a little bit by surprise, really, um, how, how much there was happening when we actually started to look at it in this way. So you're absolutely correct, Justine, when you say when you talk about Lincoln in that way, you know, we are a university of opportunity and really leveling up social mobility is absolutely in our DNA. It's what we do. It's why we're here. It's why the university was set up. So it's no surprise that we attract people to work here who absolutely engage and believe in that agenda um, and really want to be committed and, and do their very best um, for the people of Lincolnshire, but also, of course, beyond that as well. Um, so as ever with these things when you start looking there's the big headline big ticket things like you know our, our national center for food manufacturing in Holbeach that you just um that you just noted um and there's other, other big projects as well but actually once you start looking under the surface you discover that there's so many people doing different things and and it was something that we had already done in the context of our access and participation plan. So we'd already um, set up a community of practice. So just an informal group who meet and talk about the sort of activities they're doing. So that's from across all our academic college sort of subject areas, but also really importantly, our professional service teams as well. So our support teams who do some incredibly vital work in, in that area. So, you know, it's an opportunity for people to share, share practice and, you know, swap ideas and then obviously work together on, on future things. So we, we have that very active community of practice. But actually, when we started um, to work with yourself and to think across all our goals, it was amazing how much else started to sort of come out of the woodwork. And you suddenly discover that actually, you know, there's some amazing new projects that I did, you know, I'm not saying I didn't know about them because a lot of them I sort of did know about, but it's, it's, it's incredible how much does then align really nicely to the levelling up goals. And I think that's given us an opportunity as an institution to step back and really think about, you know, what are we trying to achieve and, and make sure we're being strategic with things and we're not duplicating work and, and all those kind of important things. So I, I, I personally have, have really enjoyed being a part of it because it's, it's given us that opportunity. But I know colleagues as well have said to me, gosh, you know, there's so much in those reports that we're writing and there's so many different things that we're doing. It, it's fabulous to have the opportunity just to just to sit back and think, you know, well, not sit back. We never sit back here, but just to just to reflect on it and really, really make sure we're, we're doing the right things. So, yeah. I would definitely recommend um, organisations and, and particularly universities that, you know, we're, we're quite complex beasts. We're very big. We have lots of different people working for us. Um, and sometimes getting that all down in one place is, is, is definitely quite a challenge. And I think it, it, it you know, what, what we've really been struck by is that breadth of what universities are doing. Now, you mentioned the access and participation plan, which is obviously really at the core of it. But you know, once you stand back and, and look at that bigger picture, as you say, there's so much more that a university like Lincoln ends up doing. And, and really this role of, of being an anchor institution, you know, you're, you're such a good example of a university that's absolutely brought that alive and made it genuinely real. So the whole beach work, I think, I mean, is, is really noteworthy because not only have you been in there raising education standards by by literally leading the push to improve local a local school and an academy um but then going beyond that to look at what you could do in terms of the local economy and that as you said the national center for food manufacturing literally upskilling it's so relevant when we talk about some of the challenges we face today around getting those skilled workers that a lot of those those sectors, those very sectors, you know, that are in Lincoln 
obviously really need and and I think what you've been able to do is show how a university can be right at the centre of how you start to tackle those more collectively. Absolutely and and it's great to hear you feel that way I mean I I often think of us as a bit of a pivot point really Um, it's it's about um, getting the right people in the right room sometimes isn't it to to let the magic happen when it comes to initiatives and and really important agendas to work across Uh, and I think some of the activities we're involved in, I mean, it's very diverse, um, lots of different boards and organisations and important things that, that you know, we get involved in. But, but often we, we start to be involved in something and then we'll suddenly realise that the wrong people or you know, somebody is missing from the conversation. And we are the ones that identify that person who's missing because we know, you know who in Lincolnshire is so important because we've been involved in so many other um, initiatives. So I guess you know, a good example would be the, t- the town plans that we're, we're involved in at the moment. You know, we're involved in several of those across the county because we do have um, a, lot of, a lot of towns that have attracted that investment from the government. And often you know, we're there saying, well, actually we know about this other project that's going on that will feed into you know what we're talking about here or or let's talk to somebody up the road here who's you know doing something that's related to this agenda so I I do think we're a bit of a pivot point and a bit of a sort of conduit for for passing on that information Um, it's certainly a role that we're really proud of doing uh, and something that you know it's very fulfilling isn't it to feel like you're making a difference not just through educating students which clearly is a really important part of what we do but actually by going beyond that and really contributing um, to to our to our region. And I think then also developing those links with businesses um, to very clearly add value in terms of agri-tech and upskilling, but also then to build those pathways, not just into the university as you do on all the access and participation work, but then out of the university and beyond and into a really successful career. Definitely. I think sometimes... You know, working with employers is is an afterthought for universities we you know universities kind of we crack on and do things and then go oh and here's a product for you and, and we've really tried to flip that on it on its head and I mean all our programs work with employers but you know particularly Whole Beach is a, is a great example of that and the Institute of Technology where obviously you know employers are absolutely central to driving those initiatives telling us what they need in in the context of, of agri-tech and, and those skills um, and ensuring that you know the the universities the colleges involved in that project are producing what they need which you know it it sounds really simple doesn't it it makes complete sense but actually sometimes achieving that is it can be really difficult so um you know I think it's I think again it comes back to the university just you know making sure we are the conduit and making sure we we think about all stakeholders not just you know the students or just the employers We, we actually bring everybody together and think about you know what we need to achieve for for our region. And I think that in a sense, that's where the shift towards degree apprenticeships also comes in, because it's literally a fusing of, you know, what you can offer as, you know, learning institution. Um, But that relationship you've now got in place with those businesses means actually doing a degree apprenticeship makes a huge amount of sense for you and the the business, because the relationship's already there. And and it's literally a a co-delivered qualification ultimately isn't it definitely yes um as i mentioned before it's there a mixture of you know on the job and off the job training so both the employer and ourselves are, are doing the training of those individuals um, whether they're apprenticeships or, or degree apprenticeships and i think 
it, it is a good example of that. They're, they're not always easy because, of course, you know, both both all parties in the in the arrangement have other commitments. So, you know, you have to really concentrate and focus. And that, again, is where the university can really support the employer with ensuring that, you know, the training environment that the employee is in is actually appropriate and that, you know, there's the right person for them to to to, to, to talk about their professional development with. Um, and so where they work they work really nicely it, it also gives us then as you say an opportunity to develop that relationship further so we might start with a degree apprenticeship and you know having a couple of students from a certain employer but then you know they'll be bringing to us what they do at work and where that might fit with something we're doing in the research context for example um and and then we'll be thinking oh hang on a minute we know something about that and, and we'll be joining the dots again and coming up with you know some other initiatives so no that you know there's certainly um there's certainly a really good example of employers and and universities working together. Brilliant. And now, Liz, I have to, we haven't talked about animals. Um, <laughs> I do now need to turn the conversation to that because I think you're probably one of you are one of the most unusual leaders in higher education I've, I've come across in the sense that I don't think I've come across any other vets who are now deputy <laughs> chancellors. How does that happen? And, and actually, maybe for the budding vets out there, I, I have got to confess, um, <laughs> I could never have been a GP because I'm really squeamish when it comes to blood. But funnily enough, I, I think I could have just about made it as, as somebody involved with animals. Um, <laughs> although I'm not sure my science knowledge was ever really going to be at the level that I needed. But did you always want, were you one of those irritating people that I knew at school that already <laughs> knew you wanted to be a vet or a GP when I was, you know, for years to come, even beyond that, still scrabbling around with what I wanted to do with my life? Yeah, I'm afraid I was. And 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 interestingly, um, there are other vet um vice chancellors or senior roles in universities. Ah. I think I think we're quite a we're quite a flexible bunch. I think there's yes. a there's a good skill set that comes with being yeah. a vet <laughs> that actually can make you a good leader in a in a number good of problem problems. solver, I guess. Exactly. A good problem solver, good at good at doing a lot with not very much sometimes, which is mm -hmm. helpful. Um so yeah, no, I'm afraid I, I was I was very boring. I, I always wanted to be a vet and I was lucky enough um, you know, to be able to get the grades and and, and get into vet school so um yeah it's um the vet did you specialize or were you more of a general vet how, how did the no I was a I was a general practitioner so I worked mostly with horses but with mixed mixed animals as well so dogs cats cows sheep the lot I've done um so yeah it's um it's a very different world but I have to say uh, you know, my, my interest in education came through actually training veterinary nurses. So veterinary nurses are another good example of on-the-job training. Um, and, and of course, we have apprenticeships in veterinary nursing as well, although we don't do that at Lincoln. Um, but um, it, that, was, that was really what sparked my interest as a vet. And I think also, you know, being a vet is about educating clients. It's about yeah. building relationships and, you know, it's about your communication skills more than anything. And I think I, I started to realise that that was the side of the job that I really loved. I mean, I love the animal bit too, but actually it was the clients and those, you know, really feeling part of a, part of a, almost part of a community because of, you know, what you were contributing to that um, as, as the local vet was, was really important to me early on in my career. Um, so, so, sorry, go on. I was, I was going to say certainly when I when I worked in very rural practice um it was you know it really it really was an important part of, of what I did so there you are with your your you know career as a vet steadily uh, developing you're quite enjoying doing some of the training work enjoying doing the work that involves you I mean really importantly reassuring 
owners of yeah. pets all sorts that um you know what you're doing and, and how that's going and, and everything how do you end up steadily making that what ends up being a, a significant transition isn't it into into education and then into a leadership role tell us about that journey yeah so um as i say i, I started to get really interested in education and um interestingly my, my husband is a doctor and he said to me well you know don't, don't you don't you do sort of you know you know postgraduate structured training in education in the veterinary world and I'm like no no we don't do that so um he's like well you should do something so uh, I, I signed up to do a master's in medical education which you know was with a load of doctors and physiotherapists and nurses and and you know definitely healthcare no, no other vets on the course of course. <laughs> um uh, and and it really just went from there it, it sort of um, I guess sparked that bit of interest in me again and I kind of started to realise that you know there's more to this education than just you know standing up and telling somebody something there's actually a lot of science and, and research behind it and that I got very interested in that um, and then I, it's, it's serendipitous isn't it often happens in our careers um, I, I was lucky enough that uh, there happened just to be a vet school opening up. So um, Not <laughs> Nottingham Vet School was the first new vet school in the UK for 50 years when it opened. So, you know, there'd always been the core six schools and and, uh, and Nottingham was the first new one in a long time and had a real ambition to do things differently and actually to have a really um, broad widening participation agenda as well. And to try and fill some of the skills gaps around large animal vets, which were increasingly opening up. So uh, I, I just kind of knocked on the door and said, um, oh, I might be useful to you because I'm a vet with an education qualification although I hadn't <laughs> finished it by then um, and uh, bless them my, my old bosses were like yeah you, you could be quite useful to us so uh, in actual fact the first I you know I then obviously started working there and you know got 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 a PhD and you know carried on up, up the academic ladder but um, my first job in the vet school was setting up the professional skills curriculum so that was something that we were really keen um, to do really well at Nottingham which was to ensure that vets weren't just trained in you know the, bit, the nuts and bolts of how animals yeah. work and yeah. how to make them better but to ensure that you know they came out with brilliant professional skills so understanding how to communicate with clients how to run a business how to you know navigate through the ethical moral mazes that that happened to us vets so that was what I did and I think you know those skills then um you know I started reflecting much more on my own skills in those areas and thought actually you know I quite like this lark and I quite like the sort of management and leadership side of it and yeah went from there so I've, I've been very lucky as many of us have in our careers and I love what I do so that's always good which is which is good to hear and I think I mean so your reflections if you were giving advice to younger Liz or other people <laughs> about just that that journey you've been on and any nuggets that I mean obviously you've got a long way to go on your journey but any nuggets so far that you think would be good for other people what would they be do you think I think the most the most important thing I've learned is to is to not try and predict where your career is going to go because it's certainly been unexpected for me and it's only gone that way because I've been a bit brave in you know taking opportunities that were semi presented to me but you know you have to kind of eke those opportunities out yourself don't you so it's like what I say to our students when they graduate you know don't 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 expect people to put it on a plate for you it's you know it's it's you you need to get yourself out there and and establish these relationships and you know start to sort of think beyond where, where you where you might automatically assume you're going to work and um 
yeah it's 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 a funny one isn't it because you look back on your own career and you just think how on earth did that happen (laughs) I know that feeling exactly yeah so I suppose that's probably the most important thing is just not to expect what's going to happen just to just to take it as it comes and yeah take opportunities push yourself um you know do things that maybe feel make you might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable because they might be good for you um and uh, be brave I guess that would be important and I am going to add on another observation from what you said which is so try and be a little bit self-aware about what you're enjoying doing and what you're good at because sometimes as you get into a career and, and a job and work it turns out you're really good at stuff you never expected and you, you I think what you clearly was able to do so far Liz is pick up on that and realize it and then not worry too much that it, it was slightly outside of the plan and, and go with it anyway absolutely and of course you know um some of us are, are luckier than others in that I had a you know very supportive parents and a good network and people who said you know come on you can do this you know and gave me the support that I needed and obviously you know some of our students who who, who I talk to they, they don't have that and so you have to reach out and find other people to, to give you that support and you know university is a brilliant environment to do that because it's full of opportunity and support and different networks for you to engage with so I, I agree there is definitely a, a sort of self-reflective process isn't there of thinking well you know what works for me what doesn't work for me and also you know who can I whose door can I knock on to say oh can I have a chat with you about this or you do a really interesting job can I talk to you about it and I have to say in my experience people don't generally say no to those kind of requests they're usually very keen to tell you you know about how they got to where they got to and and to give you advice so yeah I would definitely 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 be brave in that context as well it's really good to reach out and and I'm looking ahead final question I guess to the to the academic year ahead and and if you like what's beyond for, for Lincoln you know now what do you think on the student side of things maybe the those top priorities are that that you've got top of your mind Liz to to work on now well we we need to return to some of our business as usual because we've been so um challenged by the last two years so I think for me um some of my priorities are around ensuring that we're still working really hard to um, give our students all the right experience and to ensure they can all attain in an equal fashion. Um, So that's really, really important. But also for us as an institution, it's to carry on driving forward this civic mission. And and I suppose a quite a personal aim for me is around ensuring our students understand what the university is there to do. I think sometimes we're not very good at telling our students about all the other bits and pieces that we do. And although we might give them opportunities to get involved in it, well, we absolutely do, um, they might not realise what an important part that is of of us as as an institution and as a community. So um, that's a bit more of a personal aim for me this year is to find ways to really engage students and to get them a bit excited about what, what the university does as well. I think that's a brilliant aspiration and ambition to end on. Liz Mossop, uh, Deputy VC at the University of Lincoln, it's been fantastic having you on the podcast. So thank you very, very much for coming on. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure.